welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to get some fantasy pitched at me by my friend Charles. <laughs> Off to a great start, Yes, man. going well. <laughs> and I am ready to pitch some fantastic fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan. And not just any fantasy today. This is the continuation of Friends Pitching Fantasy Week. A very exciting time in the Friends Talking Fantasy world where we pitch books to each other to determine what we are going to actually read next on the show the last episode which probably aired on monday was dylan's three pitches then which i will have to pick one on friday today i'm going to pitch three different books to dylan he's going to have to pick one of those on friday as well between then and now there's going to be social media polls where you guys can vote on which one you'd like to see to try and sway us one way or the other And so, as we move on from there, let us go ahead and get started with some of these pitches, Dylan. Uh, How are we feeling today? I'm feeling great, Charles. I am completely unsure what you're going to be pitching today. You did send me a list like weeks ago (laughs) that was maybe like 10 books that you were considering. I've forgotten Mm -hmm. most of what was on there, and even if I remembered, I wouldn't know which three you had chosen to pitch at me. Uh, I'm I'm just coming in ready for the pitches to wash over me. Isn't that how it should be, Charles? That is how it should be. I'm kind of curious to see how you're going to react to some of these pitches. You know, I'm taking some out of left field here, Um, so... I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. Um, There is a bit of a theme behind my pitches, Dylan. I know you almost had a theme with yours, (laughs) the theme being wings. So petty. Uh, You had two out of the three (laughs) with wing in the title. Um, But mine, all three, have a much looser yet cohesive theme. Uh, Listeners won't know this, but um, have you happened to check a calendar today, Dylan, to see what day of the year we are recording on we are recording on friday the 13th charles and of the spookiest month of the year october it is friday the the 13th in october right so how could i not bring to the table a trio of uh, spooky horror leaning uh, books for us today and the funny part is we may not even get to these until November or December but yeah. you know what I'm pitching them now it's probably the second spookiest day of the year after Halloween right it's Friday the 13th so um, in October which I feel like is even more spooky than just any other random Friday the 13th right so here we are I've got three books ready to go Shall I just reveal them to you now, Dylan? Reveal them to me and our captive audience. All right. My three pitches are Gideon the Ninth, uh, The Locked mm. Tomb Number 1 by Tamsin Muir. Okay. And then my second book is The Gunslinger, the first book of The Dark Tower by Stephen King. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see it. And my third yeah. book is Between Two Fires by Christopher Buhlman. 
Oh, so that one we've... is a horror novel by it. It's it's also Michael fantasy, it, horror, fantasy, and historical fiction are the three. Um, wow, the three genres in which Goodreads gives it. So we have three horror-leaning books, some more horror than others. Um, and, you know, we were just talking, I had to hold my tongue on the last episode when you were like, when do we do Flintlock fantasy? And I was like, well, I had that same thought. And that's why I brought <laughs> Gunslinger to the table. And then, of course, Gideon the Ninth is, is um, super popular online and super popular um, uh, in bookstores as well. I was recently walk- perusing yeah. some different bookstores just to try and see what was trending these days and... Gideon the Ninth was all over the place. So, you know, that, that, that's a good mix of stories. Of course, Stephen King, you can't take two steps in the bookstore without bumping into one of his books. So, um, and, and Christopher Buhlman, we, we had the pleasure of reading another one of his books, The Black Tongue Thief, which I absolutely loved. And he's got such a fantastic voice. He's such a great author that I knew I wanted to read another one of his of his works. And this was the way I could kind of work it in. This one is more fantasy leaning. It's not fantasy like The Black Tongue Thief is, but it is based in like the 1300s and there's knights and stuff. So that counts. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just so those are the three books. That's what I'm pitching today. Um, how are we feeling? Where are we at? Do you think you're better than me? Because you have a theme, Charles. <laughs> Be honest. I mean, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Charles, I'm feeling good besides the fact that it hurts that you just threw this theme on me and didn't let me know. I, I could have could have picked something else bird related everyone knows i love birds i love counting crows that's true yeah it's it's all right though charles i think all these are exciting choices i think that gideon knight i have a copy of already definitely an internet darling and i believe book talk darling it's a book that as that very easy pitch to it, the whole lesbian necromancers in space that everyone, you know, you hear that and you're like, all right, all right. And then uh, you got, you know, I've been really wanting to read uh, The Dark Tower. That's been a thing for me that I never got around to, but have have been meaning to. And then... You know, we've got a third book that I don't know as much about, but I do know that I love the author's work because The Black Tongue Thief was one of my favorite reads of the last year. And Charles, it's going to be tough for me to pick one of these three. I don't know. The pitches are going the books here. You or me. Am I right? Like, wow, (laughs) I'm excited just from your pitches just now. Um, thank you. Yeah, no, I, the, these were not books that I was like thinking I was going to read next by any means. But once I sat down and started researching, I was like, for whatever reason, these are piquing my, my interest. And maybe it's the fall season that's kind of sparked me choosing some of these, but, um, certainly they're all authors that I'm super interested in, in diving into. And certainly it's, they all kind of share a little bit of commonality with the, 
with the horror theme. So I'm not going to waste any more time, Dylan. I'm going to get into this. And I'm going to start with Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. I looked at a few book talks and I think that's what they said. So I, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to go with. Um, so let me go ahead and get a little bit of the back of the book kind of synopsis here to put our, put our listeners and ourselves in the mood. So Gideon the Ninth, uh, the emperor needs necromancers. The ninth necromancer needs a swordsman. Gideon has a sword, some dirty magazines, and no more time for undead bull stuff. Keeping it clean over here. Keep that clean rating. what it says. Brought up by unfriendly, ossifying nuns, ancient retainers, and countless skeletons, Gideon is ready to abandon a life of servitude and an afterlife as a reanimated corpse. She packs up her sword, her shoes, and her dirty magazines. Again, you know. That's twice now they mentioned that and prepares to launch her daring escape, but her childhood nemesis won't set her free without a service. Harrow Hark Nonagemus, Reverend Totter of the Ninth House (laughs) and Bone with Extraordinaire, has been summoned into action. The Emperor has invited the heirs to each of his loyal houses to a deadly trial of wits and skill. If Harrow Hark succeeds, she will become an immortal, all-powerful servant of the resurrection. But no necromancer can ascend without their cavalier. Without Gideon's sword, Harrow will fall and the ninth house will die. Of course, some things are better left dead. So, it's got a bit of humor to it, a bit of wit, a bit of edge, right? So... Mm-hmm. Right away, it's like, hey, this ain't Joel Mama's fantasy book, you know? <laughs> it's got that kind of vibe to it. Did we mention she has nudie mags or dirty mags or whatever? So, um, yeah, it, it, the tone of it kind of struck me right away. And yeah. the way that it's kind of resonated with fandoms online, like, I know, like, um, our fantasy has an ongoing, like, top books of the year and it's way way up there like it's in like the top 20 or something top 25 so it's really high ranked right now it is beloved it's giving me the same vibes as martha wells all systems red um Mm. in that it's like here's a robot she's like this robot's a murder bot but it loves watching cat videos you know so it's like that kind (laughs) of that kind of vibe and when I was originally looking at this, my initial thought was, oh my gosh, this is going to be one of those books that makes me feel more cringy than haha, you know, because sometimes when books try and be funny or relatable to like meme humor or internet humor in the modern age, the, there's a bit of a disconnect for me and, and, and tone and, and voice and stuff. So I'm always super, super hesitant to to read books like this, but pretty much every review that i've read which is mostly fan reviews by the way like a lot of people just coming out and writing or dying for this book say like almost explicitly like hey they like this author does humor and they do like internet culture and all this kind of stuff really really well like they go out of their way to mention that the humor is on point so that got my attention because as you know i'm a big humor fan in fantasy and i'm a big like action content kind of badassery kind of stuff going on as well dirty magazines though 
You know, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever owned one or like had one in my entire life. It's, Something to know? aspire to. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how you would get one. You know, if you, had, if you told me to go out and buy one, I was like, what? Where would I go? I don't know. Do they sell them in like You're resourceful. I'll figure uh, it out. I think the lady doth protest too much now, Charles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seriously oh, like where could i get one I guys no like no <laughs> idea how to get one at all like geez who even knows such a thing i know nothing about this everyone should know i know nothing <laughs> yes i'm not as brazen as as gideon the ninth which i'm assuming is is the person right yes gideon yes so that right away and of course it's got a bunch of awards as well it was the goodreads choice award back in 2019 both for best science fiction and best debut novel um it's was the 2020 locus award winner for best first novel and it was also shortlisted for the 2020 nebula award for best novel the world fantasy award and the hugo did not win but it was definitely on the shortlist um in 2021, NPR listed it and this whole series as one of the 50 best science fiction and fantasy books of the 2010s, which is why would it do that when it's the 2021? <laughs> I don't know, but that's the that's what they did. So we love that for them. Um, there's also this, you know, so it is not just beloved by fans, but it is beloved by critics as well. So you got to kind of see what the fuss is all about. And I compared it to, um, I compared it to all systems red, but also when you look at the, like what other people kind of frequently mention and read, you have legends and lattes in there, which Mm -hmm. is one I haven't read. It's more kind of that wholesome humor, cozy fantasy, cozy fantasy. I, I would much rather have the like zombie horror stuff than I would have the cozy. So I think that's kind of like, you know, two sides of the same coin in some ways you have this is how you lose the time war which you had a lot of interesting things to say mm-hmm. about and Babel as well comes up so lots of really in- it's an interesting mix of, of books for sure but to me it just seems like super fun light-hearted entertaining full octane kind of story it's got a little bit of everything it's it's science fiction but it's also fantasy as well it's also horror it's also lgbt you know it, it's got it all and did i mention that the author tamson Mir, once she has become a best-selling author through this series this was her first book and now she is a you know best-selling author and also, she's from New Zealand, so we have Ooh. to like her. Yeah, <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of how that goes. You know, know we famously went read. to New Zealand together, so yes. you climbed know, Mount that, Doom. We sure did. We climbed Mount Doom together. We did all kinds of fun stuff. We went to Hobbiton together. But um, yeah, it's just we love that uh, New Zealand culture and. We're gonna I don't get a think bit we've of that. Ever well. read a Kiwi author on on FTF I, before? I, think I this don't would be a first. Think we have. This would be a first. And you know, I'm a big fan of New Zealand humor. You know, the flight of the Concords, Taiga Watiti, oh, yeah. and and you know all that. Who who knows if that 
is just those guys or if that's kind of like New Zealand humor <laughs> and culture. We'll find out if we just read more of them you know, and give more of them a shot. So that also, I don't know why that kind of further sold me on the book, but it did. And, you know, it's like, oh, great. Another British person wrote a fantasy book. You know, fantastic. No. Take that, New British Zealand. people. Take that, British people. You got <laughs> New Zealand's is in the mix. And, you know, when that's New Zealand nice, is in the Charles, mix. We have lots of British friends and fans. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, I'm just having some fun. Taking a few shots at the British. Okay, forgive me for that. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, we, we love our British authors and our British listeners and all that. And we also love our New Zealand listeners, maybe even a little more, you know, like we say we love say you we're all equally. represented in New Zealand. Like, I not that hope. we get that many downloads from New Zealand, but I would say... We started getting downloads relatively early on from New Zealand, probably because we did episodes on like our trip to New Zealand. And they've stuck around, Charles. They've stuck around because we still we still probably get more downloads per capita from New Zealand than uh, than from England. Take that, England. Take that, England. Take that. And we love that about our New Zealand listeners. And <laughs> I don't know. I'm just super super interested in it and like i said it's being super supported in bookstores like i was in a barnes and noble the other day and it's like and all the mini collections and facing out on the shelves and this mm -hmm. and that and i also think there's you know the third book and the final book in the series electo the ninth um is either just come out or is going to come out electo? soon a-l-e-c-t-o electo there is the none of the ninth i think right that was well there's Electo the ninth is the locked tomb number four and it is oh, oh expected okay. to come out on January first so it seems like a rolling deadline here because some yeah. things say it's coming out this fall some are saying next year but it is on the way um, so it is highly anticipated and the series is hot red hot and we could be you know on the front of it and be ready to read this new release you know so. That is my my pitch for Gideon the Ninth, and um, just you know, how like how could you not pick it? What do you where do you think? Where do you stand? <laughs> where I stand is that was a great pitch, Charles. A great sell. I think that this is one of those books that pitches itself to some degree like i mentioned yes. before not to take any credit away from you charles the mm. kiwi author aspect of it certainly appeals to me you know i i actually didn't know that much about this book like the the ratio of like amount of times seeing this book in places and uh, and hearing that it exists to actually knowing what it's about and <laughs> understanding the tone of it or any of that uh, right. way off uh, from right. where I'm usually at, I would say, uh, yeah, just see it everywhere. And I'm like, only really knew the cover and the lesbian necromancers in space uh, sort of tagline that people throw <laughs> around. And mm. already that interested me, like very unique book. But hearing that it has a lot of wit and humor and possibly that classic New Zealand sense of humor that we love so much, like you mentioned, Fly the Concords. I mean, I have to think this is going to be a big contender. But then, Charles, you've got all these 
other great choices. The other two are going to be awesome too. So you did not make this easy on me, (laughs) but I would never sleep on Gideon the Ninth, especially when I think of uh, how popular it is, how funny it is, how interesting and unique the concept is. I don't think I could go wrong if we end up going with this one. You can not. That is well said, Dylan. I know this was the top of my, this was the first book I had put on my list when I was thinking of things to read. And mm-hmm. and uh, it was the first one I pitched today. So it's definitely a contender. But you know what else is a contender? The Gunslinger by Stephen King. I mean, this is oh, yeah. a classic. I don't know how deep, deep into this I need to go, but I'll do my best. I'll give it a full honest pitch, just like all the others. Um the Dark Tower number one, it's called The Gunslinger by legendary author Stephen King. I'll do a Never little bit of, of the... <laughs> I know you have because I remember back in high school when we had to do book reports, you... I remember, you know, we were sitting close by and you had decided to read it and you pulled it out of your out of your book bag and it was like you know four inches thick like it was massive and let's just say listeners at home that dylan was not known for diligently completing homework assignments you know so i was like i just remember thinking there's no way this man is gonna read this book there's just no way um but uh, how far did you get into it, Dylan, for your school project? Okay, in this was class? a while back, and <laughs> Wikipedia was less established at this point. Uh, so I was so first of all, I just totally forgot that this assignment existed until shortly before the essay was due. So I had no choice, no chance of reading all of it before that. And then I looked up, oh, can I find the Wikipedia summary of this famous Stephen King book? Mm -hmm. No. No, I could not at that time. Speaks to the time we were in. (laughs) Then I looked up the old movie, not the new one, but that like old weird version of it, like this weird looking Pennywise coming out of the sewer. And... I was able to find a summary of that movie, which I'm given to understand has a lot of differences from the book. But luckily, (laughs) Mr. Miller, I don't think, had read it. So I wrote the essay on the (laughs) based on the summary of the movie on Wikipedia. There you go. (laughs) And I did quite well, for the record. And I mean, you always did somehow. You pulled it out. <laughs> but Yeah. But yeah, I, that's I, the that connection. That was also the essay with the footnotes. Like Mr. Miller got really into the oh, idea that like footnotes yeah, were really yeah. important. Like he heard from <laughs> someone who was in college. Like, oh, yeah, like all the professors are making us do footnotes. And then Mr. Miller told us like, oh, in college, you're going to have to write tons of footnotes. So he made yeah. us write like a minimum number of footnotes. So I remember I had footnotes in that essay as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah right just like flip to a page pull a quote you know that's it um no uh yeah i i think the only stephen king i've actually ever read is the short story shawshank redemption i don't think i read that in mr miller's class as well yes which was also in mr (laughs) miller's class and i've also seen the movie and of course um the the shining is probably one of my favorite movies of all time stanley kubrick Um, which was a book from Stephen King that I have not read, but I understand they're very different. 
and I've seen a lot of other Stephen King and movies and shows and stuff, but I don't think I've read anything besides that one short story. So this would be kind of an interesting. You should check out the Wikipedia summary of the old movie of, <laughs> of the movie. Okay. Right? That's the old some of movie. his finest. Yeah, yeah that's some of his finest work. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I heard so... King wrote the Wikipedia summary himself. <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense, but. Um, here's the synopsis of the gunslinger and why we chose this one specifically. I think this is really his only foray into like, at the time anyway, he's written a million bajillion books. So who knows? It's possible. But this is his big fantasy story, right? So in the first book of this series, Stephen King introduces readers to one of his most enigmatic heroes, Roland of Gilad, the last gunslinger. He is a haunting figure, a loner on a spellbinding journey into good and evil. In his desolate world, which frighteningly mirrors our own, little commentary there, Roland pursues the man in black, encounters an alluring woman named Alice, and begins a friendship with the kid from Earth called Jake. Both grippingly realistic and eerily dreamlike, the gunslinger leaves readers eagerly awaiting the next chapter. That's an interesting back of the book. It's like when you become so legendary that the back of the book doesn't even summarize the book as much as it's like this right. was the first one that he wrote back in the day. You're like, oh, we're getting a little you know bit of myth. It. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, we were just talking about how we never really read Flintlock on the show either. So here we go. Some Flintlock right here. Some OG stuff even from Stephen King. And... Another thing that I think will sell you on this deal is that of all the books today, including your pitches and the ones I'm going to pitch today, it is by far the shortest. By far. Mm. 231 pages is like the latest edition of paperback. I think originally these were a couple different short stories that were reworked into a first book of a series. And then, of course, you know, Stephen King, he's very prolific. He's written a bunch of books in this series. And there was a huge blockbuster movie called The Dark Tower that came out several years ago um, that I think is not this story, but it's these characters in this world. It's a different time period than than this book in particular. But, you know, there's always potential to read this and go on to watch that Um the movie got like mediocre reviews, which I think is kind of it would be funny to watch. And wonder and how the Wikipedia kind of... summary to that movie is. <laughs> and now you're talking. Now <laughs> you're talking. Now we just read the Wikipedia. <laughs> You've got me interested now, Joseph. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, it's you know, how could we not? Legendary author, legendary series. Again, it's it still charts really highly on fan rankings of top fantasy series of all time it's always in the mix near the top so i don't know how we couldn't go back and read this i think it's one of those ones you know we're always fascinated by the history of fantasy to me this sits in a really interesting place because here you have a famous horror author who dabbled in fantasy and it and it's like a flintlock fantasy and it's also super super popular um, it, it seems like a interesting standout book on long the timeline, right? Because when did this book first come out? 1982. So that's mm. relatively on the older side for books that we read. You know, we read a lot of the classics and whatnot, but rarely do we get throwbacks into the 80s, right? And so it'd be super interesting to to dive into it and see what it's like. This is a different conversation and a different kind of book than we've had 
in a long time. And I know you're you're a big Stephen King fan. You love those summaries. So, <laughs> hey, why don't we give the full... If the summaries are good, what, a, what do you... The whole book's got to be pretty excellent. So, there we go. That's my pitch for The Gunslinger, the first book of The Dark Tower by Stephen King. Well done, Charles. I first became familiar with this series via whenever you're on our fantasy or somewhere else and it's like what's the best opening line in fantasy which is a question that gets asked probably once every like couple months on there and (laughs) it's mostly the usual suspects that show up uh Mark Lawrence, friend of the show, often gets on there. We know the classic Red Sister line, and he has a bunch of great ones. But one that is always on there is uh, the man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. And that's pretty cool. I love a great opening line. (laughs) And uh, this one, it just immediately... puts you right there and raises all of these questions, creates this mystery around these characters. And I've always been like, I really need to read that. But for some reason, I'm like you, Charles. I don't really read a lot of Stephen King. Weirdly, I've read his like nonfiction on writing book, but I haven't really read his (laughs) actual fiction that he's famous for, which is kind of embarrassing. It's mostly because he tends to get shelved in that horror genre rather than the fantasy genre that I think, you know, even though that line can be arbitrary at times. Uh, But yeah, we've got a really interesting series. We've got a series that I understand has eight books in it. I think that's what I saw. Eight I mean, novels. it's a big series. Granted, the books are, you know, this book is 231 pages, right? So who knows? All those books together could be less than one book in the Stormlight it's 4, Archive. 4,250 pages, uh, according to the Wikipedia Ooh, in, huh? summary. For Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm a lot. Where I, I'm where I need to be right now. I'm in my <laughs> sweet spot. <laughs> oh, reading Wikipedia. you're locked in on and, the Wikipedia yeah. summary. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah, so it says it's eight novels that comprise 4,250 pages. That's a lot. So you're imagining us here just committing to the first book? Yeah, just the first one. I'm hearing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense how, is this a complete story or am I going to be like, oh, I need to. I need to read 4,000 more pages to, I mean, this isn't Mr. Miller's English class. I'm not quite ready for that level of commitment, but maybe when I read it, I will be like, oh, I actually am excited to read the next 4,000 pages. (laughs) Maybe you will. I don't know. I, I, I think Stephen King was writing at a time where you have almost like a serial right of a of series so yeah i my understanding and again i haven't read it but my understanding is that this is going to be a complete work with more stuff i'm sure this like again this first book was conceived by taking a couple short stories and making it a book so i'm mm. sure like the actual story of the dark tower will grow and progress later in the series this only 200 pages of a 4000 page work so there's certainly more to do um but i've heard that the ending is 
um, exciting and different and well-praised. And yeah, I, I think we're going to get a one-off experience with the potential to always come back and dabble, dabble more. Okay. I'm, I'm satisfied by that answer. Mm-hmm. Charles, this is definitely one that has felt like a big hole in my resume. And it sounds like you feel the same way when it comes to being big fantasy fans. It's like, Oh, I haven't read sure. this one yet. I haven't really read Stephen King. It's kind of embarrassing. So mm-hmm. if, if nothing else, the desire to alleviate my own embarrassment around this is a, is a big motivator here. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited by the idea. And how about that opening line? Am I right? How about that opening line? How about like grimdark characters? Like really, like, like really early on and like before, like that whole theme of grimdark really took off in the 2000s, right? So like, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in here. Sometimes you get an author from the outside that writes fantasy and then leaves and like does his own thing again that, um, they they bring some interesting stuff to the genre. So I think there's some mold-breaking stuff we can get from this classic work of, of fantasy. Um, so that is the Dark Tower series, but we've got one more pitch to go, and I am, of course, referring to Between Two Fires by Christopher Buhlman. Um, this is a standalone and Not it to is be confused one... with the Zach Galifianakis vehicle <laughs> between two ferns. Yeah, I honestly thought of that too. I was like, oh, it's like between two ferns. <laughs> but this is between two fires. This actually, interestingly enough, is his second novel. It came out back in 2012. Um, the Black Tongue Thief came out in 2021, to give you a perspective. Yeah. And. Christopher Buhlman is, you know, literally like a Renaissance man. Like, I think he's famous for going to Renaissance fairs and people Mm -hmm. pay him for him to insult them, I think was one of the things I read that he did. Um, But he also is known as a horror author before, you know, his latest fantasy book, which has now taken off and he's going to write more books in the Black Tongue Thief world. We're big fans. But before I get too far into that, I wanted to read the... Back of the cover synopsis for Between Two Fires by Christopher Buhlman. Okay, here we go. Uh, Christopher Buhlman invites readers into an even darker age, one of temptation and corruption, of war in heaven and of hell on earth. And Lucifer, quote, Let us rise against him now in all our numbers and pull the walls of heaven down. The year is 1348. Thomas, a disgraced knight, has found a young girl alone in a dead Norman village, an orphan of the Black Death and an almost unnerving picture of innocence. She tells Thomas that plague is only part of a larger cataclysm, that the fallen angels under Lucifer are rising in a second war on heaven, and that the world of men has fallen behind the lines of conflict. Is it delirium or is it faith? She believes she has seen the angels of God. She believes the righteous dead speak to her in dreams, and now she has convinced the faithless Thomas to shepherd her across a depraved landscape to Avignon. There, she tells Thomas she will fulfill she will fulfill her to confront the evil that has devastated the earth and to restore to this betrayed 
murderous night, the nobility and hope of salvation he long abandoned. As hell unleashes its wrath, and as the true nature of the girl is revealed, Thomas will find himself on a macabre battleground of angels and demons, saints and the risen dead, and in the midst of a desperate struggle for nothing less than the soul of man. Whoa. The stakes Heavy stuff, have right? Higher. I mean, it's like, when you open up with a quote from Lucifer, it's like, and woe unto thee. You know, you're like, dang, this guy's pulling no punches. He does have a flair for the theatrics. He also is like yeah. a playwright, too, I believe. Yes, he's written four plays. And was the he's very much fantastic audiobook narrator. Of the fantastic, you can thief. tell he loves the performance, and it comes across in this writing tone. At least it did in Black Tongue Thief, and it certainly did in this just back cover synopsis, right? Of like, yeah. you get the theatrics coming into play in a big way in his writing, and it, you know when you read the back of a book and you get pumped up that it's like this has got to be good, right? Like, <laughs> come on, so. Some of the genres that this book is attributed to is horror, fantasy, and historical fiction. So those are kind of the top three. Um, I think it leans way more on the horror, but it is technically fantastical. We've got knights and angels and demons. This could be a good one for our fantasies thing of angels and demons, right? Which I think before we only had one book to put in there. And now here we do. We have one that apparently has a battleground of angels and demons so yeah, we have to read it and we could check this off the list our yeah. fantasy bingo board we did That's a whole a tough episode square. of recommending i remember coming i can't even believe you recalled that there was an well, angels just, and demons i didn't until literally as i was saying angels and demons about four times and then i was like wait <laughs> i've said that yeah i like recent. have a vague memory when we're recording that episode recommending books for that square where what do we recommend? Good Omens? I think yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We were like, okay, well, that's the only book we can think of. Yeah, <laughs> and if you've already read that, uh, you're in trouble. Too Good bad. Yeah. <laughs> too bad. <laughs> um, but this could be a contender for that. You know, I think that would be a great slot. And look, we this we know the story. We mentioned it at the beginning. We, you know, discovered the Black Tongue Thief. Again, it, they were hailing Abercrombie fans to check out this book. And... We both raved about the book. I mean, it is really fantastic. And you can see where his horror elements came in. Definitely some of the heavier stuff that we've read this year and definitely some of the most unsettling stuff that we've read this year was from The Black Tongue Thief. And that's not even considered horror. So I can only imagine what kind of punches this guy's throwing around in his real unbridled horror novel, right? Um he had written one other book before this um, that was like Those Across the River. Great name. And it's supposedly a genre-bending Southern horror, which also super interested me. But I picked this one because it's fantasy. I had a harder time justifying picking a Southern horror in the more contemporary setting when there's a book with a knight and angels and demons and stuff also in the collection. You know, they're not connected. Yeah. Normally I like to read an author from beginning to end to kind of see their to see their progression, but we're kind of going all over the place with Buellman, but I'm okay with that because he's super talented and then you see him on Twitter, he's always super witty and then fun and he narrated the audiobook, as we mentioned. He put on this accent, and 
he, he didn't get old, you know. He sold it for the whole like nine hours or twelve hours, however long that book was, and he he rocked it. So I know he's going to bring an unbridled amount of creativity and theatrics and heavy themes and imagery into the story you know and the concept of a knight and a young girl i mean classic and then you've got the angels and demons and the god stuff somehow this biblical god stuff combined with his theatrical tone just to me seems like such a really winning combination it's like his writing i'm sure his prose is going to just go off the charts in this one so I am super excited to read it. In terms of reviews, it's gotten a lot of very good reviews. You know, Christopher Buhlman's really trending lately. He's been very, very popular. But, um, you know, he's got about 13 or 14,000 now ratings, 4.26 on Goodreads. That's pretty good, especially for it being an early work that's coming up on, you know, 11 years old now. So it's pretty wild. But, um, yeah, I... I think of all these books that we've pitched, the, this one gets me most excited about just the quality of the writing. You know, that's what really is drawing me to this one. Not to say the others can't write. I mean, they're both best-selling authors, but there's just something about the attention to the theatrics and the performance that Buhlman just nails that always lures me in. I've been wanting to pick up more Buhlman for a long time, pretty much since we read it in like January or February, no, February, late January, early February, we read that book. Um, so I've just been looking for an excuse to put him back into the, into the fold. And I thought, Hey, it's Friday the 13th. It's Spooktober. Um, let's, let's, uh, bring in Between Two Fires into the Mix by Christopher Buhlman. Mm, bring in the Buhlman. Charles. Bring in the Buhlman. <laughs> Unleash the Kraken. That's what I said. Also, this book was published on October 2nd in 2012. So just to give you a sense of how spooky it is. You know it's spooky when it releases in October. Mm. Just saying. Do you think October? We're so not plugged into the horror community. I've always found that kind not of interesting. Is like how st- segmented all the different genres are even though you'd think like oh, fantasy and horror like horror often has monsters or demons or whatever like still kind of in the fantastical but right. then we just know like nothing about nothing and we've said like, we I never remember... read flimlock now it's like we've never read horror either <laughs> yeah i i've been asked before someone asked me a while back is like would you read horror books on friends talking fantasy and i was like I guess in theory, but for some reason, <laughs> we never actually seem to do it. And it's funny, the uh, the Black Tongue Thief was coming out, and it was like, from the man who brought you between two fires. And I was like, uh, well, I don't know about that, but I'm sure the horror fans know about it extremely well. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, even really like awesome books that sell well if it's in the horror genre it's just like oh i didn't i didn't know that exists but we know buhlman has the chops and we know that horror is the genre that he started with and i think it'd be really interesting to compare like compare and contrast it could be kind of telling for like where's the line between fantasy and horror like what makes so true what 
what makes this horror that has fantasy elements and what made then the black tongue thief by contrast uh, a fantasy that has horror elements like uh, yeah. from the more academics i've like that'd be a great question to ask christopher <laughs> yeah yeah i would love to love to talk to him does he do the audiobook of this one as well Ooh, that's a good question i'll i have no idea because I would up. audiobook it. If, if he does it, you know that that's going to be my choice. I'm audiobooking this one if, okay, uh, if I pick it. and uh... Let's see. Between Two Fires audiobook. Um, how do I find out? Let's see. Let's go to Audible. Narrated by, no, it's narrated by Steve West. Ah, uh, uh, good old Stevie West side is, good is old handling Steve this one. West. So I think... Yeah, this. I'm gonna read all three books that you just pitched for sure. I, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because yeah, I mean, and quite possibly, I'm gonna read them like all pretty soon. <laughs> I don't want to take any. Like, I will pick one, and that will be. One of our next two reads. Hey, it wouldn't be the first time we picked one and then also read the others and talked about them on the show. You know, I did that with um, The Spear Cuts Through Water. I did that with um, a couple others, too. Yeah, I kind of did the same. Right, like I pitched Maleficent 7 last time, and I ended up reading that. And I think the Mm -hmm. other book I pitched that did not get picked was Semlin Ascends, and I'm currently reading that. So it's like, it's hard not to just be like in the mood to read all of them at some yeah. point. But the, uh, but the thing is, which ones will you and I read at the same time and then deep dive on the show? That's the stakes of Friends Pitching Fantasy. That's the and, stakes, my friend. 100% yeah. correct. And I really have no idea which is going to get that honor because they're all great choices for very different reasons. And that's when it's hard, right? When two Mm. books are like, oh, well, these are both kind of like along the same vein, uh, but it's... But, you know, there's one that just sounds a little more interesting than the other. Then you go there. But we've got the, like, funny... As we've said, lesbian necromancers in space, which is its whole other thing that <laughs> I can't think of any other book that's like that. Right. Uh, we've got a classic from the 80s from Stephen King, who we both are woefully underread when it comes to mm-hmm. his work and uh, and then just this book in particular. And then lastly, we've got a straight up horror book with, of course, mm-hmm. those fancy elements by someone who we absolutely love his work. It's like, Charles, you've made this very difficult for me, (laughs) but luckily I'm not alone when it comes to making this decision, uh, which is very reassuring for me in this (laughs) moment. I can take those social media polls that we always put up there and see where our listeners and followers are leaning. And I really don't know. I don't know what they're going to do on this one. I bet Gideon yeah, is like going to have a It's the most relevant and like with a new release right around yeah. the corner, how could it 
not, but there is a lot of gunslinger fans out there as Stephen well. Stephen King in general is like it's yeah, King. yeah. And He's... then Buellman fans, they'll see his name even if they haven't read this one. And, be and like, we've oh, talked about him on the show. Things. We've cultivated yeah. that kind, those kind of people that would like Christopher Buellman. So yeah, just the premise go... sounds so interesting. I Isn't it say. like of all yeah. the back of the book ones I read today? That was. By far and away the best one. Yeah. <laughs> that one like left me like, damn, I'm gonna pick that up like right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so hard not to feel that way. Hard not to feel that way. And that's the great thing about friends pitching fantasy. It's gotten me so excited about all these different books where, you know, when you come towards the end of reading a whole bunch for the show, it kind of feels like you burn yourself out a little bit. And then this series just boom, ignites that fire up again. I feel like I'm between some fires right now between your pitches and my pitches, and I'm just ready to go. Yes, but we have to wait, definitely. don't we? We do have to wait. That gives us time to consult with you, the wonderful listeners. Um, yeah, I'm going to have trouble on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't envy your choice. I don't envy your choice. Even but you, like, at the, the end of my episode, you did pick one book that you were like, Eh, I don't think I'm going to pick this one. (laughs) It's going to take some serious fan response for me to consider picking it. But yeah, yeah, yours. But I don't even have one like that. I know. Why'd you do this? I know. These are three great books for, you know, it's the beauty. That's the, that's the, that's Friends Pitching Fantasy right there. So, (sighs) oh, nothing, nothing but promises here. So. I think all it's left to do is tell the folks how they can go and vote and help you make this choice, put their influence on the show while they can. You know, now is the time to go and say, no, don't read Gunslinger, read Gideon the Ninth, or no, Christopher Buellman. Now's the time. Now's the time. I know I'm going to cast my vote, but I just have to figure out what it's going to be. I I don't even know what I would pick. You're (laughs) going to vote? Like how people vote for themselves for president? If it's like a low number of votes, I'll I'll abstain. You know, I don't want to like sway it too much. But yeah, if it's part of the fun, why not? You know, why not, Charles? Well, we'll tell them where to find us on Twitter and Instagram. And Twitter, Dylan, really? Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Twitter. Why you got a problem with that? No, no problem with that at all. It's not what it's called anymore, unfortunately, but uh, I know what you're talking about, so it's no problem Sorry, with I me. forgot Charles is very pro-Elon Musk. Okay, we are and... not <laughs> carrying that over into two episodes. I think it's time we just go ahead and play that sweet, sweet outro music. Let's get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles, and we'll tell them all about where to find us on yes, the social media we platforms. we will. Thank you all, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, and if you want us to read Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, or The Gunslinger by Stephen King, or Between Two Fires by Christopher Buhlman, then you know what you have to do. You gotta go find us over on the socials. That's Instagram at the FDF Podcast, and X, Twitter, whatever makes you feel good. At the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard today, if they support us over on the socials, if they voted for the pitch that they want us to read next, and they want to support the show even further, what can they do? 
toss five stars to our podcast, which you can do over on Spotify. Just two clicks at the top of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast feed. It helps us so much when you do that. You can also rate and even review on Apple Podcasts. You can write kind words about us in that five-star review. And whenever you do that, that puts a smile on my face and presumably on Charles' face as well. But just listening is more than enough. Thank you so much for doing that. Just listening, you guys are awesome. Thank you so, so much for making it all the way to the end. We greatly appreciate you. And we're looking forward to Friday's episode where we will pick which book we're going to read. You're not going to want to miss that. But until then, as always, guys, go forth and conquer, friends. <laughs>